0: Good morning and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. I'm joined with my co-host and father, Dr. Michael D. Harper, PhD, AKA Mikey. How are you this morning, Mikey? <laughs> I'm doing fine,
1: David, quite an introduction. I'm with my son, uh, Mr. David Harper, MBA uh, extraordinaire. And I'm looking forward to these 100 famous quotes today because they're inspirational. It's time to just sit back, be inspired, and I'm looking forward to to hearing that this wisdom from
0: everybody everywhere. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it, David. Yeah, we've done a few quotes episodes before. We've done Confucius, we've done Will Rogers, and we've done Yogi Berra, which I think mm-hmm. are the three uh, great philosophers of the history of man. But we're going to just <laughs> we're going to do a grab bag, a potluck, a potpourri today of Uh, different quotations. And so I'm happy to just jump into it if you are. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out exactly how to display ourselves on the screen because we obscure two of the quotes. I think that it might just be easiest if I don't display ourselves on the screen. Do you think that's fine?
1: Yeah, you can go back and forth. Yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay, and if if we have a lively discussion I'll just pull both of us up. Does that sound okay that's, onto the screen? That's, that's workable. Okay. On 100, I love you the more in that I believe you had liked me for my own sake and for nothing else. John Keats. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I understand what he means by that. I love you the more that I believe you had liked me for my own sake and for nothing else. You know, the most attract, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but the most attractive thing in a person mm-hmm. is that if they love you for just who you are, yes, not for what you can do for them, not for what you have, but if if they love you just for who you are, that's attractive and that will draw people to each other. Uh, maybe that's what he means by that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would, uh, just my, my own two senses, I've been thinking about uh, we have this old friend from high school my brother talked to him and uh, he just (laughs) broke up with his girlfriend and and uh, Michael my brother was saying yeah apparently it was all her fault Uh, (laughs) according to my buddy it was all her fault she was this toxic person she had all these negative traits and And my buddy went into a relationship with her saying, you know what? I'm going to change her. I'm going to change her into the person I want her to be. And when she failed to do that, it was her fault the relationship fell apart. So I don't think that he was ascribing to John Keats' vision of love. (laughs) He wasn't loving his girlfriend for who she was. He was loving her for who he thought she may be. When she failed to materialize into that, what you realize is that there was never really any love there. You were in love with an idea, not a person.
1: Yeah, and when you love someone just for who they are, then the good in them comes out.
0: And that's 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 true. That's true. Okay, moving on. Number ninety-nine, but a man. But man is not made for defeat. A man can be destroyed, but not defeated. Not sure I agree with that one.
1: Yeah, that probably needs to be put in a con some kind of context. Yes. Yeah. Uh well let's go on to 98 <laughs> okay yes just uh, I don't yeah I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure I totally uh uh understand how that would apply to every situation uh sometimes when you're defeated well, maybe this is what he means that when you're when you're quote unquote defeated uh that sometimes that's the best lesson you could ever learn mm-hmm when you lose everything and then you come back, yeah, you were defeated, but you're not going to stay there. Yeah. And maybe uh, you can be destroyed, but you can come back. So maybe that's what it means by being defeated. Because mm-hmm. you can always come back no matter what happens. You keep moving on. You yeah, keep until, moving on.
0: until you're destroyed, until you're dead, you're still in the game. So yeah, the, well, the game's not over, you haven't lost yet. You may, um...
1: Depends, I, on, depends on what the game is. Even when you're dead, a lot of times what you've done lives on mm-hmm. in the people that you've loved. Yes. So, yeah, maybe defeat is... should never be in our vocabulary. We may be destroyed over and over and over again disappointed we might lose we may be knocked down but that doesn't mean we have to stay there we can get up and keep moving on maybe that's what he means I don't know
0: yeah maybe I mean I think that sometimes though, you can be defeated I'll just pull up our image real quick okay um, just to show that um,
1: Ernest Hemingway and maybe he said that within
0: some of his writings. So,
1: you know. or Yeah. Uh, so I think some,
0: sometimes it's just good to admit that you're defeated. And I'll put up an unrelated image on the screen. Um, you know, you could pretend like you didn't get defeated when you did, when you got your Your balls stomped and your ass handed to you. But sometimes when you get defeated, it's just good to say, you know, I got defeated.
1: Okay, moving on. (laughs) Again, again, that's only valuable
0: in a context and a limited application. Yes. Number 98. Moving on. When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on.
1: (laughs) Okay, again, that's probably very valuable in a context. Oh, yeah. Some kind of a context.
0: Well, if you've ever been at the end of your rope... That's when you're most likely to snap, when you're most likely to yell at, you know, your boss or, you know, people that you love or whatever. And Mm -hmm. Franklin Delano Roosevelt saying, don't do that. Tie a rope, you know, find the strength not to lose it and hang on from the end of your rope. And I think that's good. Yep. Heraclitus. There is nothing permanent except change.
1: (laughs) That's so true.
0: You like that That, one, don't you? I knew that. Yeah, I thought you'd like like that one.
1: Yeah, that lesson, that lesson is taught over and over and over again by life, by nature, by the world, by everything. Everything changes. Yeah, the only thing permanent is is change. That's one thing that's definite. Things will always be changing.
0: And I think that uh, the older you get, the more you realize that.
1: Absolutely. That's why
0: when you're 16 and your girlfriend breaks up with you. You feel like it's the end of the world. Yeah, um, you don't realize that there's going to be more, and I maybe that goes back to number ninety-eight. A man is not made for a defeat. A man can be destroyed, but not defeated. There's always more to the story, and That's right. things will change, and they may not change the way you want them to change, but um, there's always more to the story, and everything. There's nothing permanent except change because well life has changed and the
1: older this just you're right david the older you get the more changes you have seen and the more changes you have seen then the more changes you expect to happen because you know they'll happen because they've done it before they're going to do it again you know you begin to understand that Mm -hmm. and you have to learn it sometimes humans (laughs) need to be uh uh need to go through some hard times multiple times to learn some hard lessons but change is always there no matter no matter what what you have or how good or bad it is there's going to be change
0: okay moving on 96 you cannot shake hands with a clenched fist
1: <laughs> indira gandhi you yeah. cannot shake hands
0: with a clenched
1: fist i think that's just uh, like a what is it called a metaphor uh or something like
0: that's an aphorism aphorism. Thank you, David. I think that's what I would call it. Let's look that up that word up. A pithy observation that contains a general truth, such as if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or in the classical sense, a concise statement of scientific principle, typically by an ancient classical author. So I'd say it is an aphorism.
1: I'd say I would I would classify it as an aphorism. It's about
0: I think it's about the uh you know, the times that Indira Gandhi grew up in and sort of the nonviolent resistance movement of uh, Mahatma
1: Gandhi. Uh, Yeah, and I think the implication, I'm sure there's a lot of implications there that can be applied to so many situations. To me, I think in general, you cannot shake hands, you can't really make change or, or, or work with people or, 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 do something positive. If you have anger,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes you have to give up that anger and sometimes you have to forgive, uh, to move forward. Uh, you cannot hold resentment because it destroys you. And uh, sometimes when you have an enemy and you hate them, then they win.
0: Yeah. So
1: you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to let go. Uh, and then, then you have control of yourself
0: Yeah.
1: and the, 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 you lose control of yourself when you start going down that path of anger
0: yeah sometimes you know if you have an enemy and you're angry at them and you screw them over and then you see them years down the line and you know that what you've done you have to have the strength to look them in the eye and say i forgive you (laughs) (laughs) okay number 95. well you you know you know (laughs) the thing
1: about that one more one more thing about that is my dad sequoia let's bring sequoia in here we're sons of sequoia Uh, my dad would help a lot of people all the time and, uh, you know, and he'd give them money if they needed money and uh, sometimes they'd pay them back. And a lot of times they wouldn't pay them back. You know, and one time I asked him, uh, when I was younger, I says, you know, uh, some of these people are never going to pay you back. He goes, well, I know. I says, yeah, but, but that's not right. He says, I know. He says, but I said, why do you do it? And he says, well, you know, Uh, When I die, I know that I've done everything I could to help every every person I could. And that's the reason I do it, Mm -hmm. because it's just who I am. And so you really can't you really can't hold resentment and you got to help without really getting returned, because that's the only what That's the only real help. And so you can't really make change, uh, positive changes uh, by just being angry.
0: Yeah. Um, Moving on. Moving number, on. Number ninety-five. Let us sacrifice our today so that our children can have a better tomorrow. APJ Abdul Kalam. What a load of crap!
1: Who, who <laughs> is who is a who is that Abdul Kalam? Who's that? Do we know who that is? I've never heard of him.
0: What's his name? APJ Abdul Kalam. We're looking it up. I've never heard of this guy.
1: Yeah, look up. Look up this guy. Indian aerospace, is,
0: aerospace Scientist that served as the 11th President of India from 2002
1: to 2007. Oh, wow. Avul Pakir. Oh, wow. Janu Labdin Abdul Kalam. You almost got it. Silver medal. Anyway, I was close. Anyway, uh, uh, well, I think a lot of times what he's, I, I think what he's trying to say there is that uh, let's let's just think of a better tomorrow. And sometimes you have to make sacrifices today for that better tomorrow. You can't just have everything today. Yeah, sometimes
0: if someone says, you know, if you wear a mask, we can lower the case rate and we won't have full ICUs. You have to say, well, if I don't stand up for my freedom today and completely ignore what the experts are saying, (laughs) we're not even going to have freedom tomorrow. No, I I do think that there's a little bit of um, self-sacrifice that's required for everyone to have a better tomorrow. I'm not certain that we're able to make those sacrifices as American society to the level that we need if we're being honest with ourselves. I think that approaching what I saw this last year with coronavirus, I saw it as sort of climate change in a timeline of weeks where it's like, okay, we need to beat this virus and people, case rates would go down and they'd go out back out to the bar. And then the case rates would go up. And like with climate change, it's like, oh, this is coming? Well, I'll just buy a Prius and then I'll live the rest of my life normally. And so what we saw is you need to take preventative measures today and stick with them. But anything that was inconvenient, you just throw it out the window. And the negative consequences, they just come rushing in. And I think people behave that way. And it's easy to say, let us sacrifice today so our children can have a better tomorrow. It's much harder to do.
1: That's also that also applies to families. And I think that uh, lessons in families that sometimes uh, families abandon each other and I, I think families is the sometimes as you get older you will sacrifice things that you would want and things that you have for your children so they can have a better tomorrow. I know my my parents are that way I know we were that way we want our children to have an opportunity uh, to be who to be who they are we don't want to make them into something they're not but uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice sometimes you have to give things up that you would want for something better and what's better is a better tomorrow for your children
0: all right. Well, moving on. This one, we went from two Indians to an Italian. Nicolao Machiavelli, it is better to be feared than love if you cannot be both. Much different <laughs> than the uh, better life for our children quote. How do you feel about this classic Machiavelli quote?
1: I think, uh, to me, that is um, uh, uh, practical. Uh, that is true. For many people, if they want to get things done, don't love me, fear me, and I can get things done that way, but that's no way to live your life. Mm-hmm. I think, again, the context. I think, yeah, that's perfectly fine. If, if you uh, want to effect immediate, short-term change, that's not necessarily significant. But I think if you're trying to make eternal change, I think the only way to do that is not out of fear, but out of love. I think it's the other way.
0: I think it's the important caveat is if you cannot be both. You know, the thing about it is, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you shall have everlasting life, and so you need to know God's love. But if you do not know God's love, you you get sent to a place where you don't want to be for eternity. So there's an element of fear and love in the Christian story. And you got to realize where Machiavelli was writing from, a uh, 17th century, um, Italy. Maybe yeah. um, That sound right? Let's let's look that up. Eight, 18th century?
1: 18th 18th I would say 18th 1700s.
0: Uh Fifteenth and sixteenth century.
1: Oh my goodness, he was long ago.
0: So I believe you're the, right. The political <laughs> conditions in Florence, Italy, were the type where I feel like rulers would want to be loved. There'd be men of the people or whatever. They'd give away stuff, and um, that was less efficacious then. Also, you can cultivate love without actually being a good person. I mean, I think we've seen political leaders recently that large swaths of the populace loved and other parts detested. But um, the, the only thing they feared about him was his incompetence. Uh, well, I think another word to me, uh, if it,
1: for fear, fear can mean a, different, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear can also, can mean respect, you know, they respect you. Uh, and sometimes, when you have a power to harm, it says, "Oh, I'm, I'm afraid, or I respect that they will do this if I don't do this." And so, sometimes, if you're going to if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to affect change in society, you have to do so from from a position of strength. It's like Teddy Roosevelt said, uh, "Speak softly and carry a big stick." Well, that has fear or respect that you will listen to them. Because they, they do have, have the ability and power to do something about, to, to stand behind their words. They're not mm-hmm. just empty words. So I think it's, it's deeper than what just those words are. Again, the context. It can mean so many different things. Yeah. It can, in some context, it doesn't make sense. In some context, it makes perfect sense.
0: Yes. So moving on, we have Amelia Earhart who said, The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. The fears are paper tigers. You can do anything you decide to do. You can act to change and control your life. And the procedure and the process is its own reward. Wow. That's very stoic.
1: Yeah, it is. And, uh, and she pretty much uh, demonstrated that, didn't she? And flying all over the world. And, and uh, actually, I kind of agree with the first part of it. The, the most difficult thing is to act. You can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but start doing something about it, Mm -hmm. you know, act and and the fears are paper tigers. It's really true, Uh, because I like that, because if you start doing something, you're afraid, right? Mm -hmm. You're afraid before you do it. But when you start doing it, a lot of times those fears just kind of dissolve. Like I'm in the middle of this. I want to make this happen. And if you if you jump in and start doing something, you realize I can do this. Why was I afraid? And they, they were just paper tigers. I, I, I agree with that.
0: Yeah. So moving yeah. on, we have a Henry James quote. Do not mind anything that anyone tells you about anyone else. Judge everyone and everything for yourself. <laughs> wow. That Who's Henry James? He wrote The Turn of the Screw, I believe. Okay, he's an author. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, the name sounds familiar. I'm just not from. The name rings a bell.
0: I'm not familiar with it. There he is, Henry James. Turn of the Screw, Daisy Miller, Moore. I just know the Turn of the Screw. Okay. American writer, 1843 to
1: 1916. Okay. Yeah. Do my do not mind anything that anyone tells you about any anyone else. Judge everyone, everything for yourself. I boy, do I do I agree with that? <laughs> you know. Because when you're in business uh, and there's a problem, what do you do? You go to the someone complains about someone. Mm-hmm. You go to them and ask them what's going on. Yeah. You don't sit there and listen to this and this. and You go to the person and say, this is what I heard. What's going on? Yeah. You tell me. Go to the source. That's how you solve problems. Go to the source. Anyway, that, that I like that quote. That's a good one.
0: Okay, Leonardo da Vinci said, "Learning never exhausts the mind."
1: <laughs> oh, he was a genius. I, I I have a lot of respect for Leonardo da Vinci.
0: I do think I, I I believe that the more you learn, the easier it is to piece things together. It actually sort of, it's easier on your mind to learn more. Uh, Jane Austen: There is no charm equal to tenderness of heart. Boring. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that, it's, that's it's basically saying be a sympathetic person, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think when you have a tender heart, you are charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that's just the only part of a person. Yeah, uh, going back to learning, of course, I, I love learning. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, learning uh, never exhausts the mind. It, it, it energizes the mind. I think that learning is one of the most noble things you can do to to be energized. Mm-hmm. It's just the opposite. So the more you learn, the more you to learn, the more you learn, the the healthier you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And health starts with a mind. And anyway, so uh, yeah, And Jane Austen, boy, they put Leonardo da Vinci and Jane Austen right side by side in this. And this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one is totally different, different perspectives on, on a saying. Yeah. But, but then the next one is Edgar Allan Poe. What did he say, David?
0: All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream.
1: That sounds like Edgar Allan Poe, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, it does rhyme, though, so it adds validity to it.
1: <laughs> All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. Yeah. Ah, there's a lot of things there that... It's kind of like setting... It's like setting a framework that you can say anything you want and you got a story
0: yeah or it's uh <laughs> it's strawberry fields you know yeah yeah strawberry fields where nothing is real nothing to right. get hung about strawberry fields forever number mm-hmm. 88 francis of assisi said lord make me an instrument of thy peace where there is hatred let me sow love good for you francis of assisi
1: good and hopefully everyone can do that that's something that that uh, I think humans will never be able to achieve but they should also attempt yes and I think it's a kind of thing you'll never make it because it's it just it's not going to happen but you should always strive for that so it's all in the journey and the striving for that peace and love is is what we all must do and make it better to better today and better tomorrow Okay,
0: Uh, 87 Rainer Maria Rilke, I don't know her. The only journey is the one within.
1: Well, I don't know what she means by that. Is that a woman? Maria? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what she means by that. The only journey is the one within.
0: I mean, what you do, it's all just motivated by your internal, uh, motivation.
1: Or maybe what she meant by the only journey is the, the only valuable, only real journey is the one within. Well, again, I, I guess saying you
0: could go everywhere and do everything or you could go nowhere and do nothing. But if you have a rich inner life, like uh, Tobias, not Tobias Niebuhr, um Henry Darger. Yeah, he took a journey through the realms of the unreal without ever going anywhere. Now, is that journey any more or less real? Yes, it's not in the physical world, but it still exists. And I think that someone that travels everywhere to New Guinea, to Antarctica, to the top of Mount Everest, they're going on a journey too. But really when they sit at 100 years old in their deathbed, that journey is just – it just only exists within them. So maybe the only journey is the one within.
1: Or when you take a journey, like you and I went to China. Mm Mm-hmm. So physically we were there, but the real journey was our experiences and what we felt inside. Mm-hmm. So the real part of that journey is what, what was in us and, and what we felt and what we saw and what we shared. The good parts and the bad parts, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the easy and the hard. And, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was good. Travel is good. But the journey, uh, it's not about the travel. It's about the, I guess, the journey within. Mm -hmm. Whoever she is. But Uh, that was a good one. That was a good quote.
0: Will Rogers, our old friend from Oklahoma Good judgment comes from experience, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment.
1: (laughs) See, that's true. Uh So true. So, again, uh, a sequel to that is. Uh, don't worry about doing the right thing or wrong thing. Just worry about not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you do something and make a mistake, oh, that that was bad judgment. Well, you, you're gonna that experience is gonna make you a, a, a better person and give you better judgment. It's like uh, it's like uh, I think one of the Greek philosophers. Someone came to him and should I marry? Uh, was it? Sophocles, I don't know who it was, some Greek philosopher. He said, Absolutely, you should. Because if it's successful, you'll be a happier man. If it's unsuccessful, you'll be a wiser man. And so you should always, always do things.
0: Okay. But Will Rogers, good old, good old oaky humor there. I like this next one. Okay. Think in the morning, act in the noon, eat in the evening, sleep in the night. William Blake. <laughs> uh sunrise sunset david right i like that quote i think that's true it's uh, and maybe i know that i'm inclined to believe things if i do them myself but that's basically how i operate that's so
1: true i mean and that cycle that cycle is beautiful it's like this learning from nature the sun comes up in the morning and it sets to the evening and it's going to do it again and it's going to do it again. And that consistency within that, you can have uh, uh, just simple beauty. And so there's beauty in simplicity. Mm-hmm. And that William Blake is just uh, think in the morning, act in the act in the noon, eat in the evening, sleep in the night, and then get up and do it again and enjoy every single day because each, each day is a little bit different, but the structure and the cycle is the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, 84. Khalil Gibran, life without love is like a tree without blossoms or fruit.
1: That's very picturesque. hmm Moving mm-hmm. on. <laughs> that's good. But, yeah, you, you, that's the kind of thing you say, uh-huh, okay, moving on.
0: Aesop, no act of kindness no matter how small is ever wasted. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Yeah.
1: Because... Like, Wasted either on who it's for or for yourself.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's never wasted, no matter what. Uh, well, like you could, um, you could help someone out. You could give someone money, and they squander it. And it's like, but the fact that you did something nice for them or kind to them, um, it's not wasted on yourself. Like you said, like there was, it's not results oriented. Kindness is its own reward in some respect.
1: Kindness is its own reward; therefore, it's never wasted. Mm-hmm.
0: Now there, Car Go ahead, Carl A. Menninger. Do you want to read it?
1: Uh love cures people, both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it. That's yes. true. I I I agree. Um,
0: yeah. Whoa. The-
1: the next one, Satchel Page,
0: David, oh, uh, you like Satchel Paige? Uh, he was one of the greatest
1: pitchers, greatest pitchers that there was. He was, and he was a showman. I wish, I wish I had known him. Although, I have known people who have known him, and he was colorful. He was a nice guy.
0: Um, I didn't know that this was his quote.
1: You want me to read it? Sure. Work like you don't need the money love like you've never been hurt dance like nobody's watching I did not know that's with satchel page I didn't know that either work like you don't need the money love like you've never been hurt and dance like nobody's watching wow uh, that's 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 pretty deep that's pretty heavy that's yeah. so good though that's yeah, really, I like, really I like
0: nice. that one. Um, I do George Washington, number 80. It is far better to be alone than to be in bad company.
1: <laughs> uh, that's really,
0: really wise. That's really good. I saw a quote on a YouTube comment the other day. Let me see if I can pull it up. It might be a second. So you can go ahead and talk about George um,
1: Washington.
0: Yeah. George
1: Wash Washington. You find find it? it?
0: I forgot to change the thumbnail. Oh, I forgot to save. I screwed up. Okay, hold on. I'm looking for it.
1: It is far better to be alone than to be in bad company. That's just good judgment. (laughs) Again, Um. sometimes you have to sacrifice some things to say. It's not about the company. It's about who the company is. And, uh, yeah, George Washington said that.
0: That's very interesting. Hmm. I'm trying to figure it out. I can't find it.
1: Another saying?
0: Yeah, it's a lot like that.
1: Probably when we get done with the podcast, you'll find it right off the bat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's basically saying one of the problems with kids these days, the problem with kids these days is that they can't handle being alone. Um, They always have to be in company and they're always um, like sort of in loud environments and sometimes solitude and silence is the only time that you can have any meaningful epiphanies. That's and so like you don't—you don't, you don't have to be. If you're alone, you don't have to be lonely. You can be in solitude, and you can gain insights from that.
1: Well, I heard this one guy on on uh, an in, in an interview one time talking about he got in with the wrong crowd, bad company, and he kind of like did what they did and got in trouble with the law, and and it really ruined his life for a Mm. while and he had the fortitude to come out of it he straightened his life up and now he says show me your friends and i'll show you your future Mm. so pick your friends
0: it is better to be alone than to be in bad company
1: the people you're around uh and the people that you spend time with uh will influence you Mm-hmm. and and you can you can get strength from them get why wisdom and and and, uh, and that was his saying he says show me your friends and i'll show you your future he was talking about bad company he yeah. says you know look at that bad company is that where you want to go and you say no but 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 nothing you know be alone or seek out a lot of times seeking out good company is not is not uh in front of you you have to seek it out mm-hmm and sometimes a bad company is in front of you. You have to turn away from it.
0: Yeah. So let's move on. Napoleon, Napoleon Hill. Hill: If you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. <laughs> I like that.
1: That reminds me of uh, uh, I think it was uh, General Eisenhower who said, "There are no great men. There's only ordinary men in great circumstances." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just. You just live. You just do what you do, and what happens is it may be great. It may not be great. That's not the point. You just keep doing them, doing them the best you can. Like you know, this these are saying to these people. But you know, I, I I've always had a saying. I told you guys. I said you know, whatever you do, do it with flair. Do it with flair, and maybe that's kind of what Napoleon Hill is saying here. Mm-hmm. You can do small things, but do them in a great way. It doesn't matter what you do. Just do them with flair.
0: Do good things with flair. Uh, okay. Thomas per- Thomas Carlyle. Permanence, perseverance, and persistence. In spite of all obstacles, discouragements, and impossibilities, it is this, that in all things distinguishes the strong soul from the weak.
1: Wow. bunch of A bunch of big words
0: there. It's basically just keep trying. Don't give up. Yeah. That's just yeah. a, a long winded way to say, don't give up. You know who gives yeah. up? Weak people. You know who doesn't? Strong people. That's what he's saying.
1: Yeah, you just keep working. You just don't give up.
0: Susan B. Anthony, independence is happiness. Wow.
1: Yeah, well, see, there again, we know Susan B. Anthony, and she would understand that. I mean, mm-hmm. that would, her saying that has a lot of meaning. Lot of meaning because she fought. She fought for that. She fought for the freedom of independence, mm-hmm. and it is worth fighting for.
0: And uh,
1: Sun Tzu, this is su- the next one.
0: The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's so true. Uh, there's a lot. I never heard that saying. I've heard of Sun Tzu, uh, and I think that is brilliant. I think that uh, there there should never be war. There should never be war. And I I think that uh, we're here in the United States and I think that uh, the United States should never declare war. Uh, We can enter a war to stop it and to protect ourselves. But we shouldn't start anything, and you should try to subdue your enemy without fighting, mm-hmm. and do your best to do that, and uh, protect yourself, but never, never win over fighting, uh, win by, by subduing by all different all different means. That, that's to me that's noble.
0: Now um, I saw something recently on Sun Tzu, because like I remember during Wall Street, like the 80s. Greed is good. Uh, Michael Douglas reads Sun Tzu. And, but I saw someone saying, yeah, if you read The Art of War, it's not like some grand strategic document. Yes, it's, it's come down through the years, but it was written in 5th century AD for these feudal lords in China. And the thing is, think about how dumb people are now with all the information we have. <laughs> Sun Tzu is trying to lay out very simple, practical things a leader could do when they were engaged in warfare. And the interesting thing now is that what applied in the 5th century AD applies 15 centuries later because people get in their own heads and they overthink it or they fly off the handle and they underthink it. And that's exactly what these feudal rulers were doing in the 5th century AD. It's sort of like Warren Buffett's rules for investing. Don't invest in anything you don't understand. It's like... That's not a genius rule. That's common sense, but I'm sure that's kept him out of a lot of pinches. Well, I don't really understand this investment, but let me put 100 million dollars into it. People do that every single day. Warren Buffett doesn't. He says, "Don't invest in anything you don't understand." Like that's not brilliant, and yet it's very good advice. And I think- profound. Yes. I, I put 100 million into this
1: and it didn't work. So what do I do? Well, let me put another hundred million. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why I'm losing money, but let me put more money behind it. I don't understand people, how it works in the people, first place.
1: People do that. People do that. And we saw a lot of things in this podcast. We've covered some things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, one thing, one thing that doesn't change, that is people. Uh, people. And it's not about, it's not about uh, uh, techno- technology changes, uh, but people don't change. Pe- there's going to be, the, there's going to be uh, evil. Pe- there's good, good people. There's going to be bad people. There's going to be uh, uh, smart people and really dumb people. That'll always happen. Mm-hmm. That's just that. That's just always always going to be true, no matter what technology says. And you might have a lot of knowledge, but that doesn't mean you're smart. You have to use that knowledge in a positive way or a way that's going to be beneficial. And uh, people don't do that.
0: Yeah, it, it reminds me of when you have algorithmically perfect or near perfect, AlphaGo, remember when we saw that movie? Mm-hmm. And the one thing they were surprised about is that AlphaGo, the AI playing Go against the human Go champion, um, when AlphaGo carved out a win condition, it wouldn't run up the score. And right. um, a human player would always seek to maximize the advantage and win by more points. AlphaGo understood the game as if you have one more space than your opponent, you win. And so the reason why it didn't run up the score was probably because making moves that would run up the score would lower his probability of achieving the win condition. Keeping his enemy engaged uh, without running up the score would secure the win condition for him. So he was able to keep that in mind, whereas a lot of human generals, if it were a real war, would not be able to keep that in mind. they say, we can get this, we can get that, we can get this. Yes, Yes, but you're fighting for a specific win condition. And if you go charge off in that direction to score those points to get those spoils of war, you may lose your initial win condition. And I think that happens with human nature. And it doesn't happen if you're applying stratagems like from The Art of War or algorithmic gameplay tactics like from AlphaGo.
1: Yeah. Humans will mix objectives and sometimes you'll have a very specific objective of winning, but then they'll mix that objective with something that's more egotistical uh, or or something that's more feeling oriented, like, well, I want to look better or I want to be better. I want more money or I want more spoils. And that's not winning. Mm -hmm. Winning is just subduing the enemy. And so focus on that. And uh, so once you've done that, you say, I want to add these other things and that jeopardizes winning. That's very, very true. People are people don't change because humans will always be human. Yeah. And so we have to be very, very careful with that as we move forward with technology. And we've talked about that on this podcast as well.
0: Yeah. It's like who's winning the. uh, The middle aged guy with two divorces and a coronary bypass and a Mercedes Benz. Or the middle-aged guy with one wife and two kids in a Toyota Camry, <laughs> you know, who never had a heart attack. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all your definition of winning. Sometimes I think when you get into a job and they're paying you, it's like, the more money I make, the better I'm doing. But you'll focus on that over preserving your family life or your own health. You know, you'll work yourself half to death or or ruin a marriage because, you uh, it's easy to see, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year is more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. But it's hard to see, the ten hours I spent with my family, is better than if I only spent one hour with them. And it's, it's more difficult to quantify that. There's no bottom line on that.
1: Each person has to find their own type of success. Mm-hmm. And some people, their success is money, which is really sad. But other people's success is family and that's something that lasts forever money comes and goes but the love of a family lasts forever it never goes away it never goes away and so where where do you want to achieve success on something that's that's temporal that's going away as soon as you get it with no value after that or invest in something that's going to last your last your life, other people's lives and beyond you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now people try to build pyramids back in in Egypt, so that they can last. And the pyramids are still there. But what really lasts is the love of a family. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that that not only lasts, but it changes people and changes society and changes the future. To me, you have to define your own success and hopefully people can have the, the wisdom and, uh, vision, uh, to see the right definition of success for themselves.
0: Yes. How about we end on this next one and we do 25? Because then we could do four episodes.
1: Sounds great, David. Sounds great. This has been really fun. And, uh, I think every once in a while people need to stop and just think about uh, wise sayings, wisdom about themselves, about what's right and right and wrong. and just like we did today, uh, sometimes we don't understand it, but sometimes we can understand it more than one way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I agree with you, David. I think we should do this again.
0: Yeah, so we could do seventy four through fifty maybe next Tuesday or That's next right. thir- or next Thursday. But we'll end with this one. I like this one. Keep your face towards the sunshine and the shadows will fall behind you.
1: (laughs) Walt Whitman. Yeah. Again, that's a, what do you call it? Uh, It's picturesque.
0: It's true. But it's also, he's talking about optimism. Right. Right.
1: And then all the negatives will be behind you because you just keep going positive. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Well said. That's a good place to end. So, well, we're going to end here, David, but let's let's do what Walt Whitman said. And for the rest of today and tomorrow and this week, let's just keep our face toward the sun so that our shadows do fall behind us. Uh, Let's see if you and I can do that for the rest of the day. And let's uh, our listeners, whoever hears this, whoever reads that, hopefully they can say, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to do it today and tomorrow.
0: Excellent. Well, this has been the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions, live on YouTube.com every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and available wherever you get your podcasts, be that Google, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, or Spotify. So if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to drop a like or a subscription and we'll talk to you guys in the next one. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to say as I play the outro music?
1: Yes. Sons of Sequoia says, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying.
0: next
1: yep we have part 2 next time